In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Welcome to A Psychic Story, and on this episode, we have Darius Mills joining, and he's going to be talking with us about conjuring and what that is, what it takes, and also our ancestors and how we can tap into that power. So welcome, Darius, for joining. Thank you for having me, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I was really excited to hear from you and talk to you about this topic because when I first saw, you know, the different things that you do and the modalities that you use, I was thinking of myself, it's very much, it seems like manifesting, but using different kind of tools and techniques for that. So can you walk me through how you got started in your journey and then what brought you to your current um, method, which is the CCC method? Absolutely. So it's very interesting that you use that terminology to define what I do, because that's exactly what it is. I'm using different modalities to manifest. So I was raised in a Christian household. My grandmother was the Sunday school teacher of the church. She, She had the actual key to the church. So church was something that we would do every single Sunday, whether I, I had no say in, in, in what we did or not. And one day in particular, being in church, I rem- remember having this surge of energy flow through me, and it felt like pure love. That is the best way I can describe it. It felt like pure love. And I remember as a, as a child, being able to recognize that what, the, the, what I was feeling was not what I was seeing in church on a regular basis. I would re- recall seeing judgment and condescension. And that energy that I felt was not what I was seeing. But when I felt it, it felt so pure and divine and blissful. And the pastor of the church also saw it inside of me because she she mentioned that I was anointed as I felt that energy. And that let me know two things. The first thing was that there's something higher than myself and it's pure love and that other people can recognize it and they can tune into it. So that was um, my first experience with something higher power, and I knew I wanted more of it. So I really just kept following the path of spirituality outside of the church. So meditation, astrology, Reiki, crystals, that that led into hoodoo, which led into conjuring spirits and dressing candles and candle magic and things of that nature. But that's essentially what I'm doing now. I'm using all these different modalities of European witchcraft, shamanism, Solomonic magic, um, more grimoire magic, European magic, and just ways to apply certain um, modalities of magic to manifest. And the, the, the great 
um, carrier of these energies is known as a conjure oil, which is basically a combination of carrier oils mixed in with herbs that, that it can then hold the energy of these different spiritual modalities. And I use these oils to manifest, as you put it, perfect. Wow. So that's a lot there. And you went through all of these different practices and learnings. What specifically, the one that stood out to me that I don't know a lot about, and I'm sure the listeners would like to hear more, is Solomonic magic. Yes. So Solomonic magic originates when King Solomon was the ruler of Israel. He was actually the last ruler to rule over Israel as a United Kingdom. And what he was able to do was receive from an angel of God. And this angel of God gave him instructions on how to control, command, and communicate with groups of spirits. Now, each group of spirits pertains to one of the seven traditional or classical planets of astrology. So the sun, the moon, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn. And each of these planets correspond to different types of spirits which are able to manifest in different ways. So Jupiter is, is expansion and money. Um, Venus is love. Mars is more vigor and courage and strength. The sun is fame and so forth, etc. And he was able to receive pentacles. And these pentacles, think of pentacles as sigils or symbols that are like calling cards or like a direct hotline to these groups of spirits to be able to command or communicate with to gain in the physical. So um, that's what Solomonic magic is. And I use it to just add an extra layer of magic to my practice of manifestation. And you mentioned before when we had talked about the key of Solomon and reading that. So what is it about King Solomon or the, you know, the, the key of Solomon that resonated so much with you and made you um, want to look into it a little bit more? It felt very high level. It felt very advanced. And I, I recall being able to pick up on spiritual practices very quickly. And I got bored after a while. Once I like, mastered all the, the, the Reiki, all the stuff you can Google, I wanted something deeper, something very high level. Reading the key of Solomon was very high level. It, it gave me exactly what I was wanting. And the key of Solomon is basically a grimoire. It's composed of of the greater key of Solomon and the lesser key. The greater key being more associated with angelic beings, beings who are more high vibrational. The lesser key being uh, being associated with quote unquote demons who have who could have their own intentions in mind. I don't necessarily work with the lesser key of Solomon, but I am familiar with it. I've read it, read it to be just knowledgeable. The key of Solomon is basically a grimoire that, that goes over the creation and the, re- the receiving of these pentacles of these planets from the, an angel of God to King Solomon. And that's basically what it is. It's the key of Solomon. It's the key to his wisdom, the key to what he gained. And do you think that, you know, we possess this information or like this kind of quote unquote magic because this is where we came from and what we know, but then we've, we tend to, for, you know, forget it as we're here on earth and that there were the ways that we probably would be able to just be one with vibrations and energy. And, and this is a way of like us getting back to the source. Absolutely. I truly believe that this is not the first advanced civilization to exist on Earth. I do not believe we came from um, monkeys. I, I think if we came from monkeys, there would be no more monkeys. I think there's a, a clear dis- um, the, the, um, difference between humans and apes. If we evolved from apes, I believe there wouldn't be apes in existence. I think apes are one intention and humans are another. So I think we, what, what we've done is we've evolved to the point where we've forgotten all that we knew. I believe that there was a race on this planet that was using intention and connecting to source to create. There was no electricity. They were using a different modality to illuminate. They would use a different modality to grow plants and to nourish their bodies and minds and souls. 
So yes, I definitely do believe that when we are in a deep meditation and we begin to start to see the world as cause and effect of what we're creating as creatures, we're able to recognize our own divinity, stand in it, and be able to create from a place of power. So although um, Solomonic magic comes from centuries ago, I think it's a knowledge and power we actually possess without these pentacles. But I think right now the easiest way to tap back into it is to use these different modalities to remind us of what we already possess. And the more magic you do, the, the easier it comes to you. Not because you're learning more, it's because you're kind of, you, you're like, you, don't, you never forget how to ride a bike once you learn, right? It's the same principle with, with magic. Sure, you might have, not have done it in this physical life, but you're actually bringing forth that knowledge from past lives. And, and considering we're all one, every, every ethnicity, every race, every gender is one being, one source, you're actually tapping into someone else's past life because it's really your life too. Right. So I do believe for sure we're all we're all source and we're all tapping back into the great divine to to advance in its physical world. Yes, yes, I definitely feel that. And I also believe that this is not our first time necessarily here on our some some people may be, but we've had multiple lives. And when you talk about past lives or just our lives in general and ancestors, dive into a little bit more about that because I think that's extremely powerful that we don't necessarily, we, we think about our guides, we think about our angels, but we're not necessarily thinking all the time about our ancestors and what that would be, whether it's here in this lifetime or spiritually. So when I think of ancestors, what I teach my students is to be cognizant of different types of ancestors. So most people think of their deceased grandparents or family members who have passed away. And that is indeed a form of ancestry, but it is not the only kind. For example, I have students who or I teach my students to um, connect to their power ancestor. And what that means is at every point in your life, there is someone guiding you and that person or that entity or that energy changes depending on the goal you're currently trying to accomplish. For example, right now, my main spirit guide is a shamanic Aboriginal. He was not always there. My great grandmother was there at a, at a younger stage of my life, but he came in more recently because of the, of the goals I'm accomplishing now. I have students who have um, horses and, and they, or some have grandparents or some have goddesses, Egyptian goddesses. So it is imperative to be cognizant of your power ancestor because by doing so, you're opening up the doors to not just your physical lineage, but your spiritual lineage, your, your higher self, your, your um, higher vibrational energies, angels, goddesses, saints. Any of these ancient um, cultures that you're drawn to, there's a reason you're drawn to them because there's something that existed during that time period that is with you today and it's wanting to communicate with you. So when you open up to that and you not just limit yourself to a deceased loved one, you are able to receive so much more insight and able to advance so much more quickly as well. Yeah. And that's really powerful because I think too, sometimes you're like, okay, well, maybe you don't necessarily know what past lives you may have had or what an your ancestors of the past may have had in relation to you. So one of the things that I think you can be able to tap into that energy a little bit more is whether or not you feel drawn to a certain time period, right? You had mentioned like the Greek mythology and Egypt and other things. And so if you feel drawn to that, or sometimes it might be the Victorian era for others or what have you, that gives you a little bit of a sense that if you feel like it's home or it is familiar, then you've likely experienced that in your previous past lives at some point. And that's one way for you to start to explore it a little bit more and get into that and, and understand it. Absolutely, for sure. And it's just a matter of following that inner knowing. Um, in today's world, everything 
click online. And so it's so quickly to judge others for being weird. And what happens is you see a few people that you're following judge someone and you don't think twice about judging them either because you're seeing, oh, the majority judging, I have to judge too. What happens is you, you cut yourself off. You kind of cripple yourself from really tapping into your divine because most people, I'd say like 97% of the world has no idea of the power they possess as divine creators. As a result, they're acting from a place of scarcity, acting from a place of too, too physical. Yes, this is a physical world. Sure, you have bills to pay, but there's so much more to this world and how you navigate through it that no one's majority of people are not tapping into. And because everything's recorded, we're constantly being bombarded with people who have no idea the power they possess. So it kind of rubs off on us because we're all vibrations, right? We're, we're mostly water. Water takes on energy very quickly. But the great thing about that is it also lets go of energy very quickly. So what you can do is begin to surround yourself with other people. Find your, your tribe who's also into the um, different civilizations and um, advanced intergalactic communities and angels and so forth. And you will realize that the vibration you and your tribe have together will start to multiply and um, build momentum. You'll start to attract more people. And as a result, you connecting with intergalactics or angels will become second nature. It won't be weird. It won't be awkward. It'll just be something you always do because everyone you know does it too. But it starts with you recognizing it and being willing to open up about it or at least Google it and kind of obsess over it just by yourself. And sooner or later, you'll find someone to assist you in your obsession over the divine. <laughs> and your obsession over the divine. I love that part. And like one of the things that keeps standing out in my mind as you're talking is about the law of conservation of energy. And I'm sure you're very familiar with it, but for the listeners who might not be, it's, it's some, it states that the energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred or changed from one form to another. So what you've been saying since the beginning, as we've been talking here is is exactly that. We're we're looking at finding ways to harness that power, that energy, and then transport transform it and transmute it, depending on what our intentions are, which I think is a really good time and segue to get into your CCC method and how you came about that and and actually like how you started to even the manifestation piece of it early on in your life. Ooh, so um, once I got into candle magic and I started to really manifest that way, I realized I was not alone. And what I was doing at the time was giving psychic readings and psychic development coaching. I was living in Miami and my business was, it was solid. It was in a good place in my mind, I think, but in the real world, it was not. I think I, I, I'm like a lot of spiritualists who are sometimes too spiritual and not realize the physical limits of this world, meaning I have bills to pay. So I actually found myself <laughs> living in my car in Miami for two and a half months. And one day in particular, I was lying in the grass and I was looking up at the sky, just begging and pleading for a sign. And one of the signs I got, well, the, the, the main massive sign I got was these flickering of lights, kind of like a combination of dandelions and sparkler fireworks. And these lights spoke to me and they said, if I were to survive this situation, I would thrive. That was in 2016. 2018, I, I used candle magic and I used manifestation to make a move to South Korea. The following year, I made a move to Vietnam. I used conjure oils. I conjured my ancestors to make a move to Vietnam. And 60 days after that move, the COVID-19 became a thing in South Korea where I was living. Mind you, in Vietnam, there's no COVID to this day. We have had zero deaths from COVID. I live a very normal life here while my family in America is going through it. So and I, the method I used to make this massive move happen was I connected to my ancestors first. 
I conjure them, then I make something as a conjure oil. And I call that my CCC method because when you lean on your ancestry, as we now know, that it's not just our physical ancestry, but also angels in our spiritual lineage as well. When you lean on that, you're able to maneuver through any anything, really. The world has no say in how you um, manifest. You're living a free field life. So I was guided towards making a specific oil to open up doors of opportunity. And when I use this oil, I remember a friend of mine reached out to me, a friend of mine who we haven't spoken in, in a little while, so it was a little weird, and they said I should move to Vietnam. And I remember thinking to myself, how silly, why would I move to Vietnam? Why would I ever want to go there? It was never something I wanted to do. <laughs> I never considered it. But I did my research and I made the move a few days later and 60 days after that COVID happened. So it was a perfect move at the perfect time. But it just goes to show you that when you are open to um, being spiritual, like fully spiritual, while still applying the rules of physics, you will thrive. So I, I'm not saying that people should just go up and leave and do something. I think people should follow follow what their spirits are saying, their spirit guides, and lean on that. And when you do, you cannot go wrong. Yeah. And so walk us through like what the CC method looks like and what you, because you also, you teach, you don't necessarily sell the oils for people to purchase. You actually teach others how to do it so that they can pass that along. Right. So the first C is to connect to your ancestry, connect to your ancestors. So years ago, like I was saying, I've done psychic development coaching. So I'm very good at teaching someone who's a complete beginner to tap into their spirit guides very quickly and very confidently. So the very first week of my course is all about the first C of connecting to your ancestry. And I teach my students to connect to their power ancestor because when you do, um, you connect to the ancestor that is going to assist you the most in, at this stage of your life. So the first method is all about connecting to your ancestors and lining up with your divinity to do so. And from there, I teach you to conjure them. Now, when I say conjure, um, I mean, invoke these spirits, not into the physical, but to harness their power into the physical. So let's say your um, ancestor is a Pleiadian or an Arcturian who's really good with energy work. So when you conjure that Arcturian, what you're going to do is gain the power they possess. You're gaining their ability to do healing work and you're gaining their ability to do to, to, um, do energy work. And as a result, you can harness that power and apply it to something. For me, what I found is best is an oil because oils are like water. So they're very good at soaking up energy, but they are not as, they don't easily give it away because they are not as fluid as water. So when you apply that energy of an ancestor that you just conjured to an oil, it holds the energy for much longer and you're able to reap the benefits of the manifestation and really get a good feel for it, right? And you can, if you want to sell these oils, you can definitely do that. I don't sell them. I just teach how to, how to use them. But using this method, I've taught students to manifest homes, to find new jobs, to literally like change their lives in a matter of six weeks. The course is indeed six weeks. And I just walk you through the CCC method and how you can use it to build a spiritual authority, honestly, because once you are having access to your power ancestor and you're being guided by that ancestor and you're harnessing that power and you're making these oils the right way, people begin to flock to you because you now possess something that they want to obtain. You now possess manifestation in a bottle. So a lot of my students are wanting to start a business from this and because that's a very practical thing to do in in this niche. If you go on Instagram, you'll see a lot of, a lot of oils and stuff being sold. So there's plenty of people who are wanting to learn how to use these oils to sell them, but to also just transform their lives and within their family. So they essentially you, you, you become the go-to spiritual authority in your community. And that can be your family, your friends, your neighbors, but people start to lean on you for these oils so they can then manifest as they please using them. 
Wow. And what really is cool is that you said the oils, which is like very similar to water, but then it also, it acts as a conduit, but then at the same time and conducting energy, but it holds it more. So how do people actually then use the oils once it's created? Ooh, very good question. So um, there's a, quite a few ways you can use it. That's another reason why I like the oils because they're so versatile. I always suggest first applying them to your body, um, preferably your feet, because when the feet move, there's almost like this subconscious knowing of the body that you're taking action. Each step you take, there's this brain signal being sent. So move your left foot, now your right foot. So as a result, when you put your oil on your feet, what's, what's happening is that the intention of that oil kind of becomes a part of the psyche. And whether you know it or not, with each step you take, you're actually manifesting. You're, each step you take is building, building momentum. So definitely apply to your feet to increase your manifestation abilities. You can apply it to your home if you want. Um, I have students who make protection oils and they apply it to their door or around the property. You can put it on your wallet if you like, or maybe in the front of your business. You can make a floor wash out of it, add a few drops to your um, your mop water when you're mopping the floor. You can also anoint your candles with it. If you're doing candle magic, you can use these oils to amplify the candles while you're also looking to manifest through candle magic. If you make your own candles, you can apply these oils to your actual candles while you're, while you're making them. Or I have students who are making soaps. You can apply these oils to your soaps as well. There's so many different ways you can apply these to your body, to the bodies of others. You can get to put it around your home, but the thing about it, regardless of where the oil goes, the energy and the attention that you place into it stays within the oil. So it's very adaptable. And because it's like a liquid, it can go pretty much anywhere and it can be applied to so many different ways. I love that. Your feet. I never thought about that that way, but it's a really good intention if you put that forward momentum that you're having. Absolutely. Exactly. So when you mentioned sigils and symbols, and candles. One of the things that uh, you had said a, a while back was lighting candles and that candles kind of help like slowly burn and bring in that manifestation. So um, is that another thing that you tend to use in, in your rituals and in, in your prayer work? Yes. So I use candles all the time. It's such a staple because candle making when candles are first made, it's in liquid form, right? And you can apply the energy all the different modalities of spirituality to the liquid form. And with time, it solidifies. So it holds that energy so much better than any type of oil or any type of water can ever do because it's a solid now. So what that does is you now have this specific candle for this specific outcome that can then be harnessed and sent out into the universe with candle magic. So when you light a flame to a candle that holds power and intention, you're basically shooting off a bazooka of intention to the universe. And it's going to come back to you just as hefty. So it's important to do a few things, to consider a few things when making or dressing candles. When you're using your herbs, you want to blend them up. Here's why. Um, when you blend up herbs, you increase the surface area of the herb. As a result, more of the energy of that herb can be exposed and more of it can be utilized. If you were to use a whole herb, it just isn't as essential. It won't have the same bang for your buck. Um, so you want to consider that. Also, the size of the candle really matters. So a really big candle that burns slowly over time is going to send out a slow but steady, consistent type of manifestation. Whereas if, a, a, if you have like a, a, a smaller candle that's more like a quick kind of thingy, it's more, it's more like a bigger bang for your buck in a short amount of time. So if you need like quick money, you mm -hmm. can make a quick kind of candle. If you need, maybe you want long lasting money, consider a candle that's going to burn over the course of a seven days. And you mentioned like cinnamon and honey and other things, like just as an example, which I found really, like really cool to hear about because cinnamon can bring in abundance. 
honey actually sticks it and holds it. So explain a little bit about that. Absolutely. So honey is often used to uh, first anoint the candle, or you can use your oil if you already made oils or whatever. But honey is a more of a traditional thing to do because it, it does it's sticky. So there's this um, understanding that it's going to hold the energy and it's going to really stick to whatever you're trying to manifest so that the money will come and stay there. It'll stick to you. So you can definitely first stretch your candles with honey, then add your herbs appropriately. Now, I did mention cinnamon, and that's a great thing for abundance. However, I, it's important to be aware that we are divine and that the power we put into candles, we kind of give it the power. We give the herbs the power. So yeah, cinnamon is powerful by itself, but we are giving it, it, it its power. And I say this for this reason. Let's say you have an abusive ex-husband or someone in your life you cannot stand, and they smell like cinnamon you will not be able to manifest money with cinnamon because you have now defined cinnamon and associated so closely with abusive um, interactions. So in that case, it's imperative for you to find another modality or another herb of abundance because again, you are the divine thing behind the candle. It's you. The cinnamon is going to play a role for sure, but if you define cinnamon as something tumultuous, you're going to manifest something tumultuous. You don't want that. So I often, I, what I do in my course, I definitely give them a recipe for the, the oils and whatnot. However, I teach them to use um, their sight, their smell, and their intuition to figure out um, other herbs if they need to do it. So I would definitely give them a recipe, but if they need to, I give them what's called the SSI method, sight, smell, intuition. For example, um, sunflowers, they're, they're yellow, they're bright. So we think of we think of something front and center, something high energy, right? And when you see sunflowers, you don't really feel sad or like depressed. So you don't really need to Google what a sunflower can be used for in your magic book because you just defined it. You just use your sight um, to define what that sunflower can be used for. So um, I don't want people, I'm not a big fan of Googling um, herbs and what they can be used for. Instead, I want you to go into the store, smell the herb, look at it, use your intuition, and then use it for that purpose. Because because you defined it so closely with your senses, you can now use it in such a deeper way than anything on Google can ever tell you. I've read so many different things on Google that say, use this for that. But when you do, I don't feel any connection to the herb. I don't feel like it's a part of my intention. I feel as a result, I'm using someone else's magic and the results aren't as potent. So it's imperative to be aware of your divinity and be aware of what you possess and the power you're bringing to it because you can literally shape your magic for the worse or for the better, depending on the situation and what you're using. One of the more important things that I had learned over my studies, and I'm a, I'm a Reiki master, is if you don't have that particular thing, so what you're saying is the intention behind it. So if you don't have cinnamon, but you like cinnamon, um, then that's great because it could be evokes something or connects something within you and aligns with your spiritual and you know power and vibration. But for me, it's it's also if you don't have that, and for example, you want to use a crystal, like a quartz crystal or amethyst or something, you can call that energy in. Ideally, it's great if you do have it also physically, because then that helps amplify it. But at the same time, what you're saying is, is if using those herbs to really connect and bring in that that energy is something that you can intentionally do, whether it's there or not. And it's up to you to create what resonates with you and how that is going to be supportive in, in your mission. Absolutely. And I love that you said that you can totally have a physical object and it can definitely help harness the energy. However, if you can perceive it in your mind and hold that thought for about 17, 20 seconds, you can create the energy and the vibration of it and apply that to your magic. So amethyst, like you said, perfect example. If you don't have amethyst, you can still use and connect with the vibration of amethyst. You can actually print out the picture of amethyst and use it as a focal point to harness the energy of it. 
by focusing on something for, as I said, about 17, 20 seconds, you are amplifying the energy of that. So, And why the 17, 20 seconds? Is it a number thing, like a numerology or astrology? It's more a law of attraction. I don't know if you know who Abraham Hicks is. I, I love her. I've seen countless of her things. She channels a group of spirits or a group of entities, entities, and they bestow upon us great lessons. And one of the lessons they stated was holding a vibration for 17 seconds. And they never said the reason behind it. I've done the massive amounts of research to find out what the reason. <laughs> but it's really, I think it's just a matter of... A, that's just how long it takes for now for to to send out an intention and to have it come back and to amplify as that and, and to kind of amplify it to the next level that makes sense. But I don't really know the reason behind it, but I know it does work. That I am very positive of for sure. So if you hold a thought for 17 seconds, something as silly as chicken or or a potato salad or something like anything silly, hold it for 17 seconds. As a result, it's going to kind of sink into your psyche. It's going to become more a deeper a deeper part of you and don't be surprised if you start seeing chicken, you start seeing potato salad because you are bringing more of that energy in your life. So people want to manifest money. That's something I get all the time. Money, love, focusing on the having of money and the peace that what I would do is focus on the having of money and the peace the money provides to you. Focus on that and get the emotion of feeling stable, feeling secure and, and having and feeling foundational wealth come to you or feeling as if it's already there and holding that. And what you'll notice is that no, money will not come in through your window that exact second. But what will is the emotions that support that manifestation. You might not get the, the actual physical result this red hot second. However, you can undeniably get the feeling in a matter of a minute. And what will happen next? You have to get the physical manifestation because it, it always starts with the thought first, then the emotion, then the physical. But it has to come in that manner. So if you don't feel abundant, you cannot possibly uh, attract or uh, um, pick up on physical green money because your vibration is putting off a di different signal. So again, it starts with the thoughts, then the emotions, then the physical thing. You have to go in that order. And you can actually also use this to kind of see where you are with certain vibrations. So look, just look around you sometimes. When you leave your house, what do you see? Are people happy? Are they joyful? Or are they angry? Are they fighting with people? And just kind of use it to determine, okay, um, I see people across the street fighting, but right next to me, there's a girl smiling, which means that the energy of joy is closer to you. However, you still have anger and aggression in your vicinity. Does that make sense? So the closer something is to you, the more you have mm -hmm. in your vibration. So just go outside and be cognizant of your surroundings and don't point the finger, kind of do something more retrospective and look inside yourself and to see what vibration I'm emitting. Yes, exactly. And it, that message of going in and looking within, if anything, the whole COVID-19 and all of that that's happening, I feel like it's been, a, it's been a gift to us for a lot of ways because we are forced to look inward and forced to look in our homes and take care of what we need to be taking care of versus looking externally as much. Absolutely, yes. Tell me a little bit about, so before we break, but the last time we talked, you mentioned the history of all of this and what that looked like and how it had evolved. And I found that was really fascinating. So can you share a little bit of that? Ooh, so um, there's a lot of different practices I have. I think the most buzzworthy word of them all, at least on the internet space, is hoodoo. So I am African-American. And yes, we did mention past lives and so forth. And I totally connect with that. However, for whatever reason, my, my being, my soul chose to be, be African-American in this life. So I, I did think it's important to kind of figure out what that history of my ethnicity and my culture was all about. And hoodoo originated from 
the transatlantic slave trade from West Africa to the Caribbeans and to the Americas. And depending on where the boats went, the practice evolved into something. So in, in West Africa, what we were doing was honoring the roots and the herbs and the trees and the grass and the spirits of the, of the sky and the space and using um, nature-based magic and connecting with ancestors and who, who came before us to get a physical result. As a result of not having all of our tools that we had in West Africa, when we came to the Americas, we had to use what we had at our, at our doorstep, right? And that was basically what was growing from the ground and um, different things of that nature. So it kind of just evolved from there. And hoodoo is basically in a, a system of ancestry, like ancestral veneration, honoring those who came before you and paying respect to those who paved the way for you to be where you are today. So um, a good crux of what I do comes from hoodoo because a good crux of it is from, it's, honestly, it's so freeing. It's, 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 it's not religion. It's not saying, oh, Tuesday, you have to do this. It's more, okay, I have these three herbs, I have a candle, and I want this result. What can I do to make it happen? It's more of using what you have to get what you want. And I love that. And I've applied that principle to everything I do because it's so freeing. I never wanted to just associate myself with one specific type of magic. Instead, I felt it was best to use all the crowns in the crown box and use all the colors of the rainbow and really just use everything I can to get results. And so this course I'm teaching isn't hoodoo-based. It's not voodoo-based. It's not Solomonic magic-based. There's nothing traditional about it. It's results-based. I'm focused on allowing my students or showing them how to get results in the physical world. That is the most important part to me. I don't care what practice I use. I don't care what modality I use. In week one, we're using psychic development coaching. In week two, it's hoodoo. In week three, it's um, voodoo. It, it evolves with each week because depending on the methods I'm using, I'm focusing on the results of the students. That's what matters the most. I love the history part of it because where something comes from, whether it's a practice, a modality, energy, whatever have whatever that is, it really um, helps kind of give people context to why it's around and you can tap into then that power and that energy and that vibration. So thanks for that background. With your classes, how do you, so it's six weeks and you do it online and how many students do you normally take and, you know, walk us through that. What if, what, if somebody wanted to take your class, what to expect? Okay. So the next, I do it in like rounds because it is taught live over Zoom. I do it live to essentially get to, to get to know you and to ensure that you get results. I am 100% confident that if you would follow my course step by step and you do as I say as I as I say to do it, you will get results guaranteed. And I I'm so confident because I'm in your face live giving you customized feedback to ensure you get results. So it is a six-week course. It is application-based because it is live. So what does that mean? It means you have to fill out an application. I then review that application, and I kind of get a good feel for who you are to see if your intentions are pure and if you're really wanting to be a light in this world and if you want to make an impact on the world. And from there, I schedule an enrollment call. That's done on Facebook audio or Skype or something like that to just hear your voice and to dive deeper into your, your why, your goals. And from there, I invite you into the course and we have the course live over Zoom over the course of six weeks. This round, we have 19 students. And I have a, another student who is a one-on-one -on -one student. So 19 in the group and another one just one-on-one. -on -one. Usually, I aim for 15. I think, I don't know why 19 happened this time, but usually 10 to 15 is what I usually get. And this time, it was 19. So if you are wanting to apply to that course, it's best to go to my Instagram, um, Darius Mills 91 and send me a message. 
Um, usually, or I might have a link in the Bible to, depending on the time of the month. Um, but usually just DM me and say, hey, I, I'm interested and I'll reach out to you, ask questions and so forth and you start an application process. Yeah, and this is, like you said, for people that may want to start a business, create their own oils and or share that with other people and start to teach as well. And I might be interested, honestly, just to take it to better, um, you know, up my tools and my resources that I have at my disposal. Yes, exactly. So it's it's really based off of the idea of you connecting to your ancestors, conjuring them and making conjure oils. So you can become the go-to spiritual authority in your community and begin to submit a spiritual legacy. Now, what does that mean, go-to spiritual authority? I'm looking to connect with those who want to impact the world for the better. If you're looking to, to just use these practices for selfish reasons, this is not for you. And that is why I have an application process to ensure that those types of people do not join this course. Because again, I want to I want to plant seeds and have those seeds flourish and kind of then grow fruit and then plant seeds of their own, like a domino effect. I want to impact people who want to impact people. So um, this course is built around the idea of you, whether it's starting a spiritual business or doing spiritual services from the, your home or whatever that is, I want, I'm looking for those who want to impact others ultimately. Of course, you might be in a place where you first want to impact yourself, right? And I understand that. You definitely have to focus on you first, but the end result should be the empowerment of those around you. Once you are empowered, I want you to then empower others. So yeah, if you are wanting to lean on ancestry and harness that power that you already have within you to apply it to an oil, then this course is perfect for you. And the best thing about it, it's only six weeks and it's a very short amount of time span, but you get a massive transformation from start to finish. Each week, you will notice a different part of your life shifting, guaranteed. And that's amazing because especially now when people are at home and they're looking for healthy ways to, you know, other things to explore, like now would be the time to do it. How many classes do you typically offer a year? Ooh, um, usually one round per month. Sometimes it overlaps, so I might teach two classes at a time, but usually I open up the doors for about two weeks. Like, so for this month, it'll be July um, 17th through August, July 30th, and then the class will start August 1st. And then next month, it might be August 15th to August 31st, or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, then start the class in September. But it's usually... Um, two weeks of um, open enrollment and then six weeks of the course and I kind of repeat the cycle. Awesome. Well, <laughs> and you just started um, your, the one, like it's only been a weekend, right? Yeah. So we're, we're on the very first week. They're connected to the power ancestors and I'm getting results already. It's awesome. I, I, it's my favorite week, I think, because it's the first week and it's <laughs> the tone of the course. People, they, they enroll in the course, they know it's going to work, but to see it work and to have any results live is awesome. It's always so fun for me. And do your students stay in touch? Like, is it where obviously you interact with them live, but do they have that community? I'm assuming then that they're able to connect wherever they are in the world with each other and have kind of that support system. Absolutely. And the crazy thing is there's always some weird, uncanny connection even prior to them knowing about it. Like I have students who, there's a student who got married 
at a hotel and then another student also worked at the hotel while she was getting married. Like so weird stuff like that happens all the time. It's like, they're, they're or maybe they're, they live in the same neighborhood or they have the same high school teacher or something. It's never my doing. I never intend for that to happen. I kind of just enroll whoever has the highest intentions. And there's always those weird connections of just people knowing each other, regardless of whether they knew it or not. And usually it's always happening towards the fifth or the sixth week. They, they find that connection because they feel comfortable now. They've, they've kind of poured their heart and their soul out to this course and they've gotten to know each other. So they, they, they've let their guards down by the fifth or sixth week and they're feeling as if they can say anything, just kind of commune with each other. And by that time, it's when the connections are made and they, they become so much more aware of connections that were already there. Well, that's amazing. And before we break, uh, is there anything that you feel drawn to share with the listeners that we haven't talked about already that you wanted to just get into? Stand in your power. Take responsibility for all that you create. And I don't say this to point the finger at you, but I want you to feel empowered to create and just be more cognizant of your experience. Earlier today, I said that if you were to go outside, go to the park and honestly see what is happening right next to you and be aware. So let's say you go to the park and you're sitting on the bench and there's a bird singing a lovely song and it's so blissful. And like a, a good 50 feet away from that, it's people fighting. That lets me know two things, that the energy of joy, happiness, and positivity is closer to you. It's a bigger vibration that's a part of you. However, you, you should have to be cognizant of the people across the street fighting, because that also means that even though this vibration of anger and aggression isn't as strong, it's there. So I want you to be aware of it so you can pivot from it and focus deeper on the joy. But be aware at the crux of this is you being a divine creator, creating all of your experiences. So create a better experience. You're not happy with the life you're living? Create a better experience. Define that life. What time does that person wake up? What are his thoughts or her thoughts? Who do they talk to? What are they consuming? What are they watching on TV? What are they reading on the internet? Be aware of what you're putting in your body, whether it's with food or vibration, because those things, inputs and outputs, right? What you put in always comes out, always does in one way or another. Even if it isn't a physical item or a physical conversation, your thoughts, what you're thinking about, what you're reading, these things are playing a massive role in what you're creating. So be cognizant that at the crux of all creation is you and the power you possess to do so. So stand in that power because now is the time to do so. Beautifully said. Well, thank you, Darius, for joining us. And for those who are interested, I will include his Instagram and also his ebook because you have an ebook out there and also a book, I guess, that you can actually get in person, right? Um, so we'll put all that on the show notes and on the website. And if you are interested, his Instagram is Darius Mills, like he said, 91. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. But thank you again for joining and um, hope you have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. 